All right. Well, good morning. Just one more announcement. It's uh, it actually it, it's a disappointing announcement. Uh, unfortunately, I am the I'm the bearer of bad news. Uh, but it was decided, um, and uh, you know, with much prayer after much prayer, um, that the team that was scheduled that was all set to go to Haiti is not going to Haiti. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's disappointing because we were all geared up and and ready to go. But um, so there, there's a lot. I don't know if you've been keeping up with what's going on in Haiti, but um, there there's normally just unrest anyway. There's civil disorder, um, but it, it's gotten to the point to where even the uh, law enforcement is non-existent. They've completely pulled back. So you can imagine there's there's just nothing there. It's just all, it's very chaotic, and um, so we you know our time is limited. We uh, we w- would have been on the ground. I believe it, it was seven days total, maybe even six days total, um, with uh, considering travel. And so it may have taken us up to three days to get to our destination, and then to spend a day there and then come back uh, would have been just very unfruitful. And not only that, but we have a team of six going from here, and then we have also others from Tennessee and from South Bay and other churches. And so it, it would have been just um, really we, we would have unnecessarily put people in jeopardy, um, their safety. And so, and so for that reason, um, we're not going now, but um, keep praying for the next time because there, I, I'm, I'm hoping that at some time here really soon we will be able to go. Also pray for this because... We, we did buy tickets. They were already there. So what I'm asking you to do is pray for the person who Moses speaks to um, that we get a full refund, if not a full credit, for those tickets that were already purchased. Okay, so if, if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but stay tuned because um, we are going to, um, we have every intention of going um, as soon as possible. And, um, and so that'll be, I'm sure it'll be coming. Uh, what, you know, there's, there's a lot of corruption in Haiti, a lot of corruption. And so right now, the, um, basically the people are to a point to where they're fed up and they're asking the, the president, they're demanding that the president would step down. And, and obviously he hasn't done that or else we'd be going perhaps. Um, so that's what we have going on in Haiti. That's what's going on. Uh, you can read more about, about it. But uh, again, just pray, just pray, 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 and pray some more. Anyway, all right, so with that, <laughs> let's go into this morning's message. Um, this morning, we're continuing our study through Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. We're in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll be covering just a few verses. Um, my intention for this morning was to wrap up this letter and uh, yet there was so much to cover in just a few verses that we're going to break it down. Uh, and next week will be the final portion. At least I, I say this now, but it may be that we're here next Sunday and I say the same thing. So <laughs> it's all as the Lord directs. So this morning's message is, uh, the title of it is God's Formula for Peace. God's Formula for Peace. And we're covering verses 12 through, what are we doing? 15. Lord, what are we doing? Through 15. That's it. So those verses there. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. And we're going to continue because it's just putting things in context. Sometimes we, many times we, we go quickly to verse 16 and move on from there, but we need to put this all in context. So just setting up for next week as well. Verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. 
Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Heavenly Father, we commit this time into your hands. Lord, we ask your blessing, your anointing. Give us understanding. And I pray, Lord, that we have come through those doors, all of us here together, not to be entertained, not to have our ears tickled, not to come and simply insist on hearing what you, what we want to hear from you, but, but rather be open and be willing to hear what it is that you know we need to hear. I pray, Father, that that would be our desire to hear from you, that we're not here to hear from man. We're here to hear from you. And in so doing, Father, I pray that you would give us understanding of your word. That it may have an impact on our lives in such a way that we're different. In such a way that we respond to what we hear and learn this morning. That it may, may be a, make such an impact in our lives this morning, Lord, that it would be used to transform us, conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. That there would truly be less of us and more of you in our lives. And so, Father, we do commit this morning into your hands, this time of study. Father, I pray that you would have your way with us and that we would be that clay that sits and allows you to mold and shape us into the image that you see fit to mold us and shape us into it. Into. Thank you, Father. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So God's formula for peace. Let me start out by saying this. Too often, as Christians, we are perfectly content with only having peace with God for salvation, but reject having peace in life. I'm talking about everyday living, everyday life, uh, the things that uh, we do day in and day out. We're perfectly content with having eternal peace with God, having salvation. And yet we reject having an abundant life in Christ and understanding what that looks like. And I don't believe we do this entirely intentionally. But I do believe people do this for one of two reasons. One is because of ignorance. Because we lack uh, biblical knowledge. We lack an understanding of what it says in God's word would bring us that peace. In our lives, regardless, of, and this is regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, regardless of whether people accept us or don't accept us, it doesn't, it doesn't, regardless of all of those things, we can have that peace which surpasses all understanding. We can be ignorant of all of that if we don't know what God's word says. But there's another reason. The other one is because of intentional. The, the intentional exercising of pride. It's a spiritual, what, what that really uh, reflects is a spiritual weakness and a rebellious rejection of God's commands. That's the bottom line. It's either one or the other. It's either you're ignorant of God's word and we don't have any, uh, we, don't, we don't have any other place where we can stand. It's either we're ignorant of God's word or we're not. And when we refuse to do that which we know, it's called rebellion. It's called intentional sin. That's what it is. It can't be any different, can it? You tell me. It can be, really. Right? I believe when we knowingly neglect to apply God's word to our lives, it's because we're behaving in a narcissistic, self-centered manner. And I know in today's day and age, it's all about us. It really is. And unfortunately, even within the church, we insist on it's, it's just about us. We believe we have the right to do what we want because we fail to understand that our lives belong to God and we exist to bring Him glory. When we, when we get that through our minds, we, 
when we actually apply it to our lives and we, we gain understanding in that, what happens is we bend and mold and shape into whatever image he has for us to mold and be shaped into. We simply comply with his word. We surrender to his word. But it's because we're full of ourselves. You know, we just sung that song. Empty me, right? Empty me of myself. And fill me with your spirit, Lord. Holy fire, right? We, we sing it, but sometimes do we, do we understand? Do we really mean what we're singing? What we're declaring? What we're proclaiming? Those things that we... That are those words that are coming out of our mouth. The question is, how can we reject having peace in everyday living? Well, it's by refusing to follow through with some of the things we'll be going over this morning. Respecting and esteeming the church leaders. Seeking to help your brothers and sisters in Christ. Making sure you do not repay evil for evil, but rather do good to one another. Besides, next week we'll... We'll learn about how it is that we are to rejoice in all things, praying at all times, giving thanks, uh, and, and among other very important biblical principles that make for peace among the brethren and bring glory to God. D.L. Moody said this, quote, Never think that Jesus commanded a trifle, nor dare to trifle with anything he has commanded, close quote. He never commanded a trifle, anything that was, that's empty, that's light. He didn't think about this. Every word that was spoken by the Lord, and we have it written in Scripture, is not something to take lightly. That's why, it's, you know, that's why we come to church, and it's, not, and it's not for as good as we feel leaving. It is not for entertainment. We're not here to entertain the goats. All right? We're here to sit at the Lord's feet and take in for the purpose of growing in the Lord, being, being encouraged, strengthened as his people, as his church. So there are some things that you will hear, hopefully, I ask you, Lord, from the pulpit that may not feel so good, but they're good for you. They're good. Because in James 4.17 it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. When we know and we just refuse to do it, for us it's sin. It's sin. So what we have this morning, this this is why we need to listen closely. We need to pay attention. We come through those doors again. We come on a Sunday morning and, and, and we should pay close attention to what's being said. You know, all I do is explain God's word. That's all I'm doing. I'm explaining God's word. Well, we should be, be paying close attention to what he has to say to us, giving us understanding. Because what we have this morning is God's formula for peace. Do you want peace? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. I love you guys. I do. My hope is that as we go through this final portion of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, that we truly do seek to understand these principles that make for peace and choose choose to live them to the glory of God. So what we're going to cover is, is two, two points here. Number one, respect and esteem and love. And secondly, be at peace. Those two things, respect and esteem and love and be at peace. Let's start out with the first couple of verses here. In verse 12, once again, the Apostle Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And we're going to stop there in the middle of that that verse there. So in these first one and a half verses, we have quite a bit. Respect and esteem and love those who are over you in the Lord, those who labor among you, those who admonish you. And these are Paul's parting words in this letter to the church. And in closing, this is what he's saying to the church of Thessalonica and what the Lord's speaking to us even this morning today in Riverside at Refuge in this fellowship to you. To do this very thing. 
in order to know peace amongst yourselves. This is where it's at, right here. You want to know peace amongst yourselves? This is how to do it. This is how you'll know it, how you'll live it. This is an action that follows having the right godly and biblical perspective of church leadership. It starts out with that. It's this perspective, again, you know, thinking about the culture and the day in which we live in. You know, we, we were taught, I know, to question authority, uh, to dialogue and have these discussions and, and really to be allowed to express ourselves in whatever way we please. Haven't we? We have, <laughs> big time. That came down from the professionals. This is how we ought to do it. And unfortunately, what that's produced is a lot of chaos. It, it, it wasn't all good. Because we take it to a whole different level. We take it to an extreme. And with this, the Lord is saying, this is, this is, this is some order within the church. This isn't the world. This is order. And by the way, this should be applied to our jobs and, and as, as employers and as employees. We should respect these things as Christians. We should be the best employees as Christians. We should be the best employers as Christians. We should be the best co-workers as Christians. We should. We should. Not following to the, to the beat of the world's drum but following in step to that which the Lord has established for us to walk out. Because this is an action that follows having a right perspective, a godly perspective, a biblical perspective of church leadership, of church order. First of all, Paul is not referring to lazy leaders. This is, this is not referring to those who uh, basically, <clears throat> a leader who says, do this and do that. And never lifts a finger. That, that's not who he's talking about. Remember, and keep in mind, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Those who are actually doing the work along with you. That's who he's talking about. And those who admonish you. If a pastor or a leader doesn't admonish you, well, then they really shouldn't be. In that place. They really shouldn't be there. To labor is not difficult to understand. It means to work. uh, To exert effort toward accomplishing a specific task. Or tasks. You know to just just work. Roll up your sleeves. And and let's do this thing. Make disciples of all nations. That's a great commission. Uh, Let's all do it together. Let's do the work of an evangelist. Let's do it all together. We do these things. We encourage one another. We exhort one another. We admonish one another. We do it together. To admonish means to caution, to reprove, to warn gently. That, that's what it means, to warn gently. It's not by force, right? Sometimes we take that a bit too far also. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm warning you, and I'm doing so gently. I'm reproving you gently, because... Gently does not mean with weakness. It doesn't mean that. Or without authority. I I come and admonish you. I I warn you. I caution you. But trust me, it's not in my own authority. It's in the Lord's authority. It's according to his word. So therefore, even though a leader would come to you and perhaps warn you or caution you, don't take them for being weak just because they're speaking gently to you. Right? We come with the full authority of the Lord and His Word. And that's what we should regard. That's what we should regard is the very Word of God that is what they're coming to us with. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's with His authority. That's what needs to be heeded. To respond to a leader's admonishments, respect the person... Because that is what is required. 
It's, it's uh, when, you, when you respond to someone who is coming to you, the way to respond to them is with utmost respect. It's consideration. It's a, it's a thoughtful um, seeking of understanding what it is that they're telling us. And so the Apostle Paul is, is saying, you, do you want to support the leaders within your church? Do you want to do that? Do you desire to do that? I hope so. I really hope so. Because they have your best interests at heart. The leaders within this church, whether it be children's ministry or the youth or whatever other ministry you're in, men's and women's, they have your best interests at heart. You know how to best support the church as a whole? Respecting that leader by responding to that leader's admonishments in an open and sincere way. That's it. That's it. Because love goes both ways. It goes both ways. It's not just one way. It's, it's not. It goes both ways. We know that the respect of a leader can be demonstrated, but it is obvious when it is out of duty. Out of duty. And not a genuine affection for that person. Therefore, the Apostle Paul adds with that, that there is to be, he says here, um, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So let, let's not quickly go through this because it, this esteem them very highly in love, uh, it, it's, it's an emphasis. Um, in fact, esteem, and this is quite difficult for me also to be up here teaching you because I'm your pastor, right? And so that speaking of as, as far as me as your, your pastor I would. Do you guys all love me? <laughs> you know, it's kind of odd, right? It's like I'm looking for the love of God, you know, first and foremost. And you know what? If you love me, that's an ad. That's a plus. You know? But as, as a church, we are to love and highly even admire our leaders. That's odd because we oftentimes think, you know, well, we're not supposed to think very highly of man, of each other and all that. Well, that's not biblical. Actually, what's biblical is we ought to esteem others more than ourselves. Isn't that biblical? If we are to esteem others more than ourselves, then what about those who are responsible for us within the church? Shouldn't we do that, that all the more? We should. Shouldn't we? Yes, we should. That's what, is it, that's what it says here. But not out of duty. Learn to do that with genuine respect and honor. First and foremost, toward the Lord. And then when you, when you understand you're glorifying the Lord, this will come easy. This will, this will come easy. And you'll know the heart of the leader. You'll know... Uh, you know, your heart will be reflected as you respond to that person. Respecting them must come with esteeming them very highly in love. There are leaders within the ministries of this church that labor among you and serve you by leading you. And I know because I labor right next to them. And I know that they have this big heart for you. And they love you. And we are to respect and esteem them very highly in love. Why? Well, it's because of their work. Consider their work. Consider their work. They labor to lead you to Christ. They labor to build you up in Christ. They labor to strengthen you in Christ. They labor to grow your faith in Christ. They labor to help you know hope in Christ and so much more. They labor to do those things. They don't, they don't shy away from it. They will encourage you in those very things. And they serve you. If you desire to be great, be the servant of all. That's what the Lord told us. And so that's what we give ourselves to. You know, it's, it's funny because when someone desires, like let's say for instance, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know what, I, I really desire to be a pastor. Well, <laughs> You have no idea, number one, what you're asking for. Uh, because to be a pastor, to be a, a minister, to be a leader, is to be the servant of all. 
you know, to be, to be used in a sense to the point to where you are giving of yourself sacrificially. You do so. And when you do that, you ought to do it will, willingly, genuinely, not out of duty, but with a genuine love for the Lord. You ought to do that. And so consider their work. Consider what they're doing. All to help you learn how to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because really that's the bottom line. To make disciples of all nations is to teach them, every single person, how to follow Jesus Christ. Not that person. How to follow Christ. As you come to them, they should be deflecting. They should be, you know what? Listen, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. This is what Jesus Christ requires of us. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. His word. Get to know his word. Apply his word. Know his word. Live his word. That's what they ought to be doing. This is what we ought to be doing. So considering their work, this is what we ought to do. Considering their work, respect and esteem them very highly in love. I believe that the more you understand the work of your leaders, the more you will respect and admire them with love. It's like considering that. Hey, listen, we're all flawed. There's none righteous, no, not one, including your leader. Okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. yeah. I thought you would. (laughs) And that's the thing. We can all take that. Can we just, we can understand that there's, there's no one that is perfect. But, oh, man. Oh, do we have just a heart for you. We have a heart for you. Because we want to see Christ in you. That's what we want to see. And if you find that you cannot do this, if you find that you cannot perhaps esteem and respect with love, then I would suggest that you drop to your knees and pray. Just pray. Number one, ask God to change your heart. You know, I've... um, um, I'll share my heart with you. Because unfortunately, you know, I've um, also experienced some pretty um, heartbreaking situations through my time serving in ministry. And, um, and you will. If, you, if you've spent any time serving in ministry, you're going you're gonna to go through those things. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. Not at all. I know I'm exactly where I need to be. But let me tell you that it's hard. It, it's, it's hard when someone comes along and you think that they're in that place where you're on the same page, you're, you're serving the Lord, and, and uh, you know, it's just you're going to be serving for the rest of your lives. We're going to go to the grave together, so to speak, right? And then what happens is, is um, and, and, and this, this is what happens. One or both allow the enemy to come in and deceive and divide and destroy. A relationship. Number one, with the Lord. And secondly, with each other. It gets to the point to where they no longer respect you. They no longer esteem you. And at that point, they have one of two choices. Drop to their knees and pray that God would change their hearts. Or they walk away and go serve under a pastor that they can respect and love. One of two choices. That's why this is, this, is, this, is, this is right here, right in front of us, as a warning. It's, it's a warning. Church, it's a warning. It's a loving admonishment to you. Because when that starts creeping into your heart, just know this, it is not of God. When you start having bitterness, resentment, when you start having these thoughts, it's not of God. It's of the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not of God. 
Because he, he didn't come to that you may um, have your relationships destroyed, divided, and conquered. He came that you may have life in that more abundantly, right? The abundant life. That he came to unite. He came to uh, that we would have the same mind, the same spirit in Christ. And that we would show that we are his by the love that we have for one another. That's what he came for and to do in the midst of saving us. To respect and esteem church leaders is not a suggestion, by the way. This is a command, and it is the manner in which the local church will know a peace within itself and function with great effectiveness in the things that God has planned for it. By the way, this, again, does include me, the pastor of this church. And if for some reason you cannot respect and esteem me and love, then there's, there's definitely a problem somewhere, and you need to either come talk to me. Please, please don't, don't go away. Just come talk to me. I'm always open. I'm always here. For those of you who have come talk to me and ask me questions, you guys know, right? Who's come and talk to me? Not about problems you have with me, but just anything. <laughs> Got a lot of people with problems here. <laughs> because I want our hearts to be aligned with the Lord. I want us to bring Him glory and honor. And so it's not fair. I'm telling you, it's not fair when you get upset with anyone else and you don't bring it to their attention. In fact, it's unbiblical. Because the Lord says that if we have aught with one another, we are to go to them and tell them. Share with them in love that there may be reconciliation, restoration. That's what God is glorified in and through. So, we are to, number one, respect and esteem our leaders in love. Number two, be at peace among yourselves. Uh, Verse 13, uh, the second portion says, Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So, the second thing that we want to cover is learning to be at peace among ourselves, dealing with each other. We deal with, one, with each other. You know, Christianity is actually a, a faith of confrontation. God confronted sin. He did it head on and sent his son to do that very thing. We ought to learn from that. It is a faith of confrontation. We are to deal with each other in love. We are not to ignore each other or overlook those who need a word of admonishment, encouragement, or assistance is what we have here. And then this is among ourselves. Uh, we urge you, is what the ESV translation says, or in the New King James Version, we exhort you, which means to urge. That's what it means. This is a gentle way of urging someone to do something that is very serious and will normally result in, and here's the result, Comfort. Y'all want to be comforted? Do you want to know comfort? Do you want to know a peace among yourselves? Then we admonish one another. That's what we do. There is much discomfort within churches because the church fails to do this very thing. You, you ignore it. You look the other way. You don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be confrontational. I don't want to be found divisive, perhaps. I don't want to do that. I, I just rather go, go somewhere else even rather than than deal with it and then allow myself to be submissive to the word of God and apply it to my own life too. Because when, when, whenever there's confrontation, what happens is both parties need to be humble. Both parties. The one who's bringing that issue to the other person and the other person too. Both parties. You see, you hear, you, what you're hearing out is God's word applied to that situation. You take it into consideration. And if you're the one that had an issue with someone else, and then you realize that it's really your issue, guess what? <laughs> you're the one that's going to have to be humble, admit that, and ask for forgiveness. 
But we are to confront each other in that way, in, in a spirit of love. So, what is the very thing that we need to do? Well, admonish the idle. This means that you are to warn those who are unruly, disorderly, or undisciplined. A brother or sister who is out of order. This is a, actually a military term that identifies someone who has broken ranks. Those of you who have been in the military understand this very well. It's interesting because in boot camp we learn how to march, right? And so we know rank and file. We know how to fall in when we're told, fall in. Man, once we learn how to fall in ranks, we, we, we fall in exactly where our place is in, in, uh, in that formation. And whenever someone breaks rank, you know. <laughs> you, you know. I remember on the blacktop, I was that we would practice marching when I was in boot camp. And, you know, you get to that point to where you, you understand as... Um, the person is calling cadence and is calling out the commands, how it is, uh, the, the timing is everything. I mean, you have about 80 to 100 men out there on the tarmac, and you're all marching in ranks along the way. And you have right, oblique, march, which means it's just a 45. Just for, and someone, instead of doing a right oblique, does a, a right turn. You know, they stick out like a sore thumb. You've just broken rank. And you've also cost us the inspection. But that's what it is. It's a military term. You've broken ranks. You're out of step. You're not in step with everyone else. This is someone who is doing their own thing. You do your own thing? There's a lot of people who do their own thing. And in the church, we ought to be an example of everyone that's just stepping, that's in rank and in, 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 in step, in, in rank. Let's all go in the same direction. Let's not be a bunch of people who are doing our own thing. The self-centered person who isn't falling in line, but regardless of what a leader tells them, they do what they want to do. Like, all right, well, I, I understand. Well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's it. That's it. And that happens. To be a good leader, you must learn to be a first a good... What is it, a follower? Someone said that, right? Someone, it's like we can quote a lot of people, right? But it's true. To be a good leader, you must learn to be a good follower. To be a good follower, Paul is saying that the admonishment or warning of someone who has broken ranks is the responsibility of other brethren within the church. So for each other, as we someone else, see someone else who's, who's out of step, who's out of ranks, it's our responsibility. This doesn't say that it's the pastors, elders, deacons' a responsibility. It's our responsibility. So in other words, we come alongside each other, and as we notice that, say, you know... You okay? Everything going okay with you? Because I've just noticed some different noticed some different things with you. Oh, we'd much be, be we would be much better off as a church if we did that. Came alongside each other, did that very thing together. Not waited for the leader to do it, but if we did it ourselves. This is how we know peace. By the way, this is God's formula for peace, not my my formula for peace. It's God's formula for peace within the church. Secondly, encourage the faint-hearted. This means you encourage those who are timid and fearful. They lack courage. They lack confidence in the Lord. And especially when you're new in Christ, you, you lack this, this courage. You're, you're fearful. You're faint-hearted. 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul knew this of Timothy and wrote to him saying, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so the Apostle Paul wanted to remind young Timothy, Hey, listen, I, I know that you're dealing with this. I know that they're coming against you as far as you know, people are, are you know, contending with you and challenging you. And you know, they may not listen to you completely, entirely, and take your word. But listen, keep, keep going. Just keep going. Don't lose heart. He says, because God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Yep, they're out of control. It doesn't matter. 
as far as you're concerned, you know what God, God's standard is. And he tells us, hey, listen, no fear. He gave us a spirit of power. Number one, power. It's his power, not our power. It's his power of love. That, that's an agape, self-sacrificing, sacrificial kind of a love. And of self-control. In other words, you're disciplined. Just remember that. You're in control of you. You're not in control of everyone else. So don't worry about everyone else. Worry about you. So be self-disciplined. And make sure that you express that love and that power that comes from the Lord. Come alongside those who are faint-hearted and bring courage and strength to them. See, they don't have it. So you have to come to them and bring them that courage. And remind them of some very important things. Like what? What do we remind them of? With God, all things are possible. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What else? All things work together for good to those who love God and are they called according to his purpose. We can go through different verses and just give them that word of encouragement. Right? So we bring them courage because they don't have it. And we give it to them. Number three, help the weak. This means that you are to help, not, not enable those who are weak with more weakness, in their weakness. Don't make excuses for them or encourage them in their excuses, but rather help them by helping them build strength. That's what we do. I've never seen anyone build physical strength by having someone else lift weights for them. Have you? Hey, Eric, can you work out for me? <laughs> I feel like getting more fit and, yeah, I feel like getting stronger. Yeah, run that treadmill for about 30 minutes every day, will you? I want to build some cardio. You don't do that. You don't, you don't strengthen the weak by doing it for them. You encourage them to do what they ought to be doing. But encourage them. Help the weak by admonishing and encourage them, encouraging them in the Lord. Number four, be patient with them all. Through all of this, God knows that we need to exercise patience. We do. We need patience with one another. We need patience to do all of this. Without patience, we grow anxious and we quit and we give up and we throw in the towel on each other and we're not given that option with the Lord. We, we are to be our brother's keepers. We are. We, we are responsible. Actually, we are responsible for one another. For doing what we're talking about right here. This is for the church. This is for each and every one of us. So don't quit on each other. Don't throw in the towel. Don't grow anxious. But exercise patience. Number five. Never fail. Uh, never. Never. Never follow through with evil. Because of some evil that's been done to you. It says here, um, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Always seek to do good to one another. It's interesting how we can go around this, though. We're, we're pretty smart as people. Very dumb, too. Okay, I won't repay evil for evil. I'll just ignore them. I'll just ignore them. Well, that's not, that doesn't go very far. Because you're expressing your anger toward them anyway. You're, you're desiring to somehow pay them back. By now, now I'm not going to be your friend. That's it. We're done. It's like, well, what kind of restoration and reconciliation was expressed there? None whatsoever. It, the word doesn't leave room for us to do even this. Instead of repaying evil for evil, God tells us to do good to one another. And just in case you don't get what it means to do good to one another, uh, maybe to wh- who is the other? Really? I mean, because we really need the word to um, really specify who that other person is. Right? That, that's what we'll come up we'll, We come up with that something all the time. I, I want to know, is he talking about... Is he talking about Gentiles, like outside the church or within the church? Who's he talking about? We really don't know. 
So just in case you miss it, he says, and always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Everyone, it means everyone. It means everyone. It means to all, everyone. And in case you want to pick and choose when you do this, because we can do that all also. It says they're always. Well, I don't feel like doing it today. Well, <laughs> it says always. So always means always. You don't need me to break that down, right? It's just always and to everyone. Do good. Choose to do good. John thirteen thirty five says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's conditional. If is that word. That says that this is conditional. The, the one way that you will, uh, that other people will know that you are my disciples is if, if you have love for one another. This requires having a forgiving heart. Consider how much you've been forgiven by God and then ask yourself why it is that you can't seem to forgive your brother or sister in Christ. Do you have that right? No, we don't have that right to ignore this and choose otherwise because we exist again to glorify God, not self. We don't exalt ourselves. We glorify God in our lives, even as it comes at the expense of us. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If we're to do that for our enemies and those who persecute us, how much more those within the church, our brethren? I love you, brother, today. Tomorrow may be a different story. I just want to warn you. It shouldn't be like that. It is impossible, by the way, to move on to the rest of what we're going to cover next week without taking care of these matters. It just does. Why go on to re- rejoice always? You know, pray without ceasing and all of those things. If we're not, if not, we're not willing to take care of this that we have. We don't know a peace amongst the brethren. We don't know that. So... So it's impossible really to move on to the rest of what Paul was addressing without taking care of these matters. How can you have peace with God when you reject his commandment to have peace with each other? Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your, your gift. So you go and take care of that situation and then come back. Oh, that takes confrontation. Yes, it does. Remember, we are to do that in a spirit of love. Remember, we deny ourselves, pick up our cross. In other words, dying to self. And and then we can follow Christ walking as he leads. Those two things. You want to know peace amongst the brethren. This is it. It's as simple as that. Was that simple? It's simple. It really is. It's just, we're the ones that make it difficult. Why? Because we're filled with pride. We're filled with ourselves. Like I said, we sung at the beginning of, of church service before we came here to prepare ourselves for the message, right? We, that's what we say. You know, worship is there to prepare us, to bring us into the very throne of God, to very, His very presence, Right? And then we walk away and it's like, I don't want to do that. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that, church, please. We, we cannot do that. We don't have that right. Because this is how, as simple as, as it is, this is how the word is telling us. This is how God is telling us that we can have, this is how we can experience peace among ourselves. By doing these very things, respect and esteem your leaders in love and be at peace among yourselves. I want to close with this. God's formula for peace within the local church is not a complicated one. It's actually a very simple one. And yet it's because of pride that it's tainted. It requires humility to respect and esteem your leaders very highly in love. It also requires humility to receive that respect and esteem in order to receive it well and then understand that it is for the furtherance of God's work and serves to glorify him and not the individual. And so that's why as, as that is received, it also has to be received in just complete humility. 
because we know it's to honor and glorify the Lord. It requires courage and humility to admonish, encourage, and to help, but also to receive admonishment, encourage, encouragement, and help. It takes great humility to both give and to receive that very thing. It takes a lot on both sides. And so we need to understand, we need to acknowledge that amongst ourselves. It requires humility and reverence toward Jesus Christ to choose to deny vengeance and instead repay good for evil. It's all for the sake of bringing glory to God. That's the bottom line. It's all for the sake of bringing glory to God. Are we willing to do that? I hope we are. I hope we're willing to do that. Because conforming to him will demonstrate to each other and to the world that we truly belong to him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will do these things. Can we do them, church? I hope we do. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you truly know a peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then this peace among the brethren will be known also, because you desire to glorify God with your very lives, in your body. That's what we are to do. So remember... Remember always that it begins with you. Begins with you. We took communion this morning also. We remembered the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Consider through that how much you were forgiven of. And then humble yourself before a holy and righteous God, knowing that He extended to you not because we deserved it, but because he loved us. Salvation through Jesus Christ. For us, we respond by simply being a living sacrifice to the glory of God. I hope we do that. Father, we commit ourselves to you once more. And truly I ask, Father, that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge how much you love us. That we would, Lord, heed your word, applying it to our lives, to your glory. That you may be honored, praised, and worshipped by us as your people. Let our response, Lord, be honoring to you, a blessing to you. May we truly be those living sacrifices unto a holy and righteous God, for you are worthy of it all. Thank you, Father, for loving us the way you do. We pray this all in Jesus' name.